What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because you're expert enough about something. For Delilah Orpi, her expertise was on taking care of her curly hair. And starting as a side hustle, she turned that into an online business earning around eight grand a month at holisticenchilada.com. Stick around in this one to hear how she's driving traffic, how she's building her email list, and how she's diversifying her revenue streams. My free video series on how to start a blog of your own is at blogstartercourse.com. And you'll find the full text summary of this chat with Delilah and links to all the resources mentioned at sidehustlenation.com slash Delilah. It's D-E-L-I-L-A-H. And at that URL, I've also put together a free list of the tools, plugins, resources that I've used to grow a multi-six-figure blog. I'll call it my blogger's toolkit, and it is yours free in exchange for an email address at sidehustlenation.com slash Delilah or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. Now, like most side hustles, Delilah's was not an overnight success, but still she had some early signs that she might be onto something. Here's how Holistic Enchilada got started. I was teaching full-time back in 2017 and I had already been teaching for a couple of years and was kind of just dreading the days, like getting up early and going and being with the kids all day long. It's just really draining. And then I would come home to my daughter. So I have always wanted to have my own business and work for myself. And I previously had like an Etsy shop and I had kind of dabbled in other things, but I wanted something more passive. So I saw an ad on Facebook for how to start a blog with some, I don't even remember who it was. And that kind of just got me thinking. And people were always coming to me for information about organic lifestyle, clean living and stuff like that. In addition to curly hair. And so that's kind of what inspired me to start. And really, I started with a lifestyle blog about clean living in general. But after, I think it was like my fourth or fifth post that I wrote on how I take care of my curly hair, that went viral on Pinterest very quickly. And then I was like, well, let me try a couple more posts on curly hair to see what happens. And they all did significantly better than my other posts where I was talking about like food or herbs or any, you know, the organic lifestyle stuff. So... I took that and I decided I was going to focus more on the curly hair and see what happened. And yeah, it definitely grew significantly when I started focusing on that. Okay. Was there any sort of competitive analysis like, oh, I want to do this organic lifestyle, clean living type of site? Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, that's a, a popular topic to talk about. It is. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. I just was like, oh, I really like this. And people asked me about it. So I will write about it. And naturally being a teacher, like I, you know, like to help people. So, you know, I didn't do any research at all. I just started writing about what I knew about. Okay. Starting from a place of personal interest and personal kind of perceived expertise. If people are already asking you questions related to this stuff. And then the curly hair niche kind of came later as a result of like, well, what is resonating with people? So that's interesting that it went viral. Did you do anything to give it a nudge on Pinterest? I'm sure we'll dive into the the Pinterest side of things. I did. (laughs) After I noticed that I wrote like three posts that were specifically about curly hair. And I had taken a Pinterest course the year before when I had my Etsy shop. So I kind of had an idea of how to do pins and how to do Pinterest ads. So I did create an ad for all of like my curly hair posts and I was only running like a dollar a day. So it wasn't a lot, it was like $30 a month, but it was boosting 
that even further. And so more people were finding those posts and that's kind of how I grew it in the beginning at least. Oh, interesting. Was there any metrics? Like I have just dabbled a little bit with Pinterest ads and kind of found the cost per clicks to be a little more expensive than I kind of want to pay for a lot of the traffic. What was, what was your experience? I was just looking at increased traffic through my Google Analytics coming from the promoted pins and I could see that it was significant increase. And then my affiliate sales for like Amazon and other products that I had links for were increasing. So I just left it alone for $30 a month. I figured I was making way more in the affiliate income and stuff that I was happy with it. Oh, okay. So there was a traffic driving component. There was hopefully like a Pinterest follower component to it as well. Like, oh, people like this stuff. Maybe they'll go follow the account. But there was also this affiliate income component. Well, the traffic to my site is great, but if I'm just spending 30 bucks a month for the sake of spending 30 bucks a month, maybe not so great. But there is this affiliate component as well. What happened after that? So that sounds like this was pretty early on. I'm going to create a little bit of content, a little bit of a body of work here, and then boost it a little bit. You know, just a small investment, a dollar a day. I love that because I started with a budget of a dollar a day on Google AdWords for one of my very first side hustles as well. I was like, well... If it, if it works, great. If it doesn't, eh, it's just a dollar. Right. That's how I saw it. You know, I really didn't know what I was doing like in terms of monetizing. I kind of had an idea about growing traffic. I didn't know SEO. So I was just using Pinterest. And the only way I thought I could make money at the time was through affiliate links and like having your own products. But I was not interested in creating my own products. So I focused on making more affiliate content, like things like top 10 posts and stuff like that. So I could put a bunch of affiliate links in it. And since I was still working full time, I didn't really have a lot of time. So I wasn't posting very often, maybe one post a month. It wasn't like I didn't spend a lot of time on my blog at all, but I just let it kind of grow in the background. And when I had time, especially in the summers, I had more time I could focus on it. So I kind of left it alone for a while. I just posted here and there and let Pinterest do its thing. And I was focused on other things. Was the site making money during that time? Just kind of the Pinterest traffic coming through? Yeah, I was making about, I think the first year I made like $4,000. And that oh, was awesome. That's like, this is, this is real. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And that was mostly Amazon before they changed their rates. You know, I used to make more with them. Like the posts are basically just like my routine, how I style my hair. And then, so it's like, this is the shampoo I use and this is the conditioner. And so it was just linking to like $3 products or $8 products. They weren't expensive, but it was really adding up. And then I also became an affiliate for another brand that I really liked. It was more expensive. So I would make a little bit more with them. And I was just focusing on that at first. Okay. When you say like top 10 style posts, this would be like top 10. Like top 10. 10, yeah, shampoos for curly hair, 50 affordable shampoos to start taking care of your curls, stuff like that. Okay. So kind of affiliate-based content strategy. Anything else that went into, you know, sounds like, well, I'm busy teaching and this is kind of running on medium autopilot, but anything else? And I like this, my hair care routine type of content. Anything else on the written side of things? I was doing some clean beauty posts, like affordable organic makeup roundup. I would do a couple of skincare routine, stuff like that. But yeah, it wasn't very much. Did any of those get the same kind of traction or was like, ah, just, I should focus on the hair stuff. Yeah. The ones that did do well were 
anything that had to do with like affordable organic products. So affordable organic skincare, affordable organic makeup, that kind of stuff did do well. But I mean, I think the search volume for the curly hair stuff was significantly higher. And that's why. And at the time, there weren't very many people writing about this stuff. So even on Pinterest, if you Googled curly girl method, my pins were the only ones that would come up. That's not the case anymore. But skincare and organic lifestyle was more saturated. So I think that had a lot to do with it. Is that a a brand or a term that, that you created or was that something that was already out there? No, some hairstylist created this method. She calls it the curly girl method. And she first published a book about 20 years ago. And it's basically where you, you don't use shampoo, you just use conditioner and then you style your hair wet. And it's like dramatically different from anything that we've ever been exposed to when you go to the salon, like most stylists are not trained in curly hair and they treat it just like straight hair. And so that book kind of a couple of years ago, for some reason, like that term in the book just became popular and that's how I found it. And so I started writing about it. The term is not trademarked or anything. So yeah, that's kind of like, I started with curly girl method and branched off from there because that term became extremely popular last year and worked to my benefit. Okay. Yeah. Nice. You're an early adopter for this resurgence of interest in this, uh, in this 20 year old book. (laughs) Talk to me about the Pinterest stuff. I want to get into the SEO stuff too, but talk to me about the Pinterest stuff because everybody has their own you know, strategies and hypotheses on, you know, how does the Pinterest algorithm actually work? I'm curious how you have your account, your boards, your pins uh, set up. I have taken a couple of different Pinterest courses over the years. I feel like they're constantly changing kind of like Facebook and Instagram. And a lot of people who make a Pinterest course, they'll stop it after a year because they're like, I can't keep up with the changes. So I always have to find a new one. But my plan, which has mostly worked up until this year was always to have like niche down boards, very specific. So like I have a curly girl method board and then I have a curly hair tips board and then I have a fine curly hair board. And so lots of like different specific curly hair things. And then I would make multiple pins for each post and pin them to all the different boards. And then I would promote most of my new blog posts. I would add them to the promoted pins campaign where I was doing like a dollar a day. And I did that like for about a year and a half or so. That was the extent of my strategy with them. I think the content was just a lot of people were searching for it and not a lot of people were creating it. So it was easy for me to be seen. So I just was constantly posting. I did use Tailwind for a while because I would create so many pins and I didn't want to sit and pin myself all the time. So I would schedule them on Tailwind to go out like three or four a day. And there was a time where I was pinning other people's content, but I stopped doing that a really long time ago. So it's just my content that I pin now. Okay. Now I'm at Pinterest.com slash holistic enchilada. And I see 1.9 million monthly views over here. So this is clearly a really important channel. Encourage people to check out Delilah's Pinterest boards over here to see how she has things set up and not going crazy, you know, three, four, five pins a day through Tailwind. Are you still using that or are you kind of doing it manually today? I am. I had stopped using it last year because I was cutting costs. And I pretty much stopped using Pinterest and I noticed a difference in my traffic. So I had to pick it back up this year, but I do have a virtual assistant and I send her pin templates and then she makes my pins for me and she puts them all into Tailwind for me. So I don't do any of it. The only pins that I create myself are the ones that I create for the blog post that I embed like at the bottom of the post. And I put like the description and all that. I use the grow 
me social plugin for that. And so I put like the title and the description so that way anytime somebody pins, it auto-populates all that. Don't leave it up to other people to fill in the right <laughs> keywords or something. Like make sure it is default to the easy button here. So now I'm on your curly hair tips board and it looks like there's quite a few video pins, which I, I imagine are not necessarily embedded on your site, but can you speak to those? Yeah. So that's something that my assistant is trying out for me. I think when video pins first came out, I did a few, they did really well. And then I would do some and it just wasn't worth it for me. Like I felt like the amount of work for the amount of views that it was getting wasn't worth it. So I stopped doing it. But since she has time, I let her and she creates all these video pins. And we just started doing this maybe like two months ago. So I'm not sure exactly how well it's working. Also Pinterest, I don't know what's going on lately. I think I've seen from people that they're really focusing on the idea pins, which is the kind of like Instagram stories and stuff, but there's no links. So they don't take people off the platform. So I think everything that I post now on Pinterest is not getting the views that they used to get. Yeah, that's it's frustrating. It seems to be <laughs> it is <laughs> across the board. It's like, I don't know, we still can't quite crack it. Where'd you end up connecting with your Pinterest VA? I actually emailed my email list earlier this year when I was looking for help because it was too much work. And I wanted somebody who had been reading my blog already for some time and already kind of knew about curly hair care. And I basically just put, if you have experience as a virtual assistant, then reach out and we'll see. And I found her like that. She has tons of experience. So it was perfect. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
What else is driving traffic for you? So SEO is my main one. And that started in 2019 when I was like, okay, I'm going to take this blog seriously. I signed up for Stupid Simple SEO and went through the course very quickly, applied all the things, and it made a dramatic difference within a couple of months to my traffic. Like every month, it would just double or triple from the previous month. And I also focused on growing my email list and actually emailing them because I had like a sign up before, but I wasn't emailing my list at all. So I know in 2019, I went from like 150 email subscribers to 10,000. And that was... Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) I, I took, I think it's email on autopilot is the name of the course. And I created like a quick start guide for caring for curly hair And I put it everywhere, like two to three times in my content. I never had a pop-up. So I always just put it in my content. And even when I'm writing in a paragraph, like if you want more tips, you know, sign up for this. So it was constantly referring to it everywhere. And that worked really well. So like 10,000 people signed up in a year, basically. And then the following year, last year in 2020, I implemented a tripwire to monetize that. Oh, okay. So many signups. All right, I want to get um, into into all of this stuff. So, this is well, let's go back to the SEO. So, stupid simple SEO. This is uh, Mike Pearson. Yes. Okay. Popular guy amongst uh, the FinCon uh, community as well. Okay, what does your SEO or content process look like today? Either for you know revamping archive posts or for okay, I'm gonna dust off the keyboard and uh, and create something new. So. I use Ahrefs and I do like once a year, I'll sign up because it's like a hundred and something dollars a month. So I just sign up once a year for their trial and I do the whole keyword research thing. Competitors look at what they're ranking for, what I can rank for. And I usually go for keywords that have at least a thousand search volume and the difficulty anywhere from like 50 lower. I try to go for those, the lower, the better, obviously. And so then I'll pull all that data from the trial. And then I use that for like the next year to plan out my posts. But I also write posts based like on what people ask me. So I'm not only writing SEO posts. I do try to write as many SEO posts as I can. So yeah, I'm using the Ahrefs to find the data. Okay. I love that. I could do a year's worth of keyword research in a month. (laughs) Looking for keywords with a thousand searches a month and uh, difficulty less than 50. I like to keep the difficulty even lower than that. I mean, you've got an established domain. I did that at the beginning. Yeah, I was doing like 30 and lower. And now I go like 50 and lower. Okay. And then are you plugging in like similar sites to kind of see what they're like doing the, what do they call it? Like the content gap type of uh, research? I do. Yeah. At the beginning, I didn't have any competitors. So it was kind of hard to do the keyword research in the beginning, but tons of people have jumped on the spend market. And so now I've got a ton that I can look up and compare and see what's working for them and try to steal some keywords. Interesting. And people, people with curly hair have been around for forever. And, <laughs> and yet you were, you were an early adopter in putting it online. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then people are asking you questions. These are coming in through email, through blog comments. How are people reaching out to you for, for that type of stuff? Mostly through email. So I have the first email that goes out when people sign up, kind of like introduce myself or it's the confirmation for the quick start guide. And I'll ask them what their biggest struggle is with curly hair. And I usually get like one or two people who respond a day. 
So that gives me a lot of ideas for what to write about. And then also social media, like the questions that I'm constantly getting on social media. I'm like, okay, let me make a blog post about this because people are always asking. Yeah, even if there is no search volume, it's like, you know, if people are asking you specifically for help, like maybe, you know, a certain percentage of the population is also typing that into Google to try and find uh, the answer there too. So uh, I love that strategy and try and turn questions into content, ask people what they're struggling with, all of that stuff, really effective. And even if you don't have an audience, you know, to speak of starting out, you can go to a site like uh, answerthepublic.com, one of my favorite keyword research sites, where it will give you, you know, punch in a seed keyword like curly hair or like side hustles, and it will punch out a bunch of different uh, questions that people are asking related to that type of topic. And then bonus points if you cross-reference with the keyword research tool to see, well, what kind of volume is going on over there? Okay, so people land on the site from Pinterest or from uh, Google or from SEO. They read their information, maybe they click on an affiliate link, but then they also have this option to you know, download my curly hair quick start guide. That's the primary lead magnet. Yeah. And then you mentioned there's a tripwire after the fact, or is this like a one-time offer on the confirmation page? How does that work? Yeah, it's a tripwire. So I, after I had increased all my traffic, I was like, I need to make products. So I came out with the course last year, right before the pandemic. And a lot of feedback that I got was that people wanted something more affordable. So I brainstormed, like, what is it that people are always asking about? People always need help with some small products I can make. And so I came up with like a product guide for curly hair. That's like the number one question I get from people is what products do I use? And it's quite complicated. It's not so simple. So I created this kind of curly product guide and I made that my tripwire and it was extremely successful. So I also offer it as a standalone at regular price as well. And I link to it throughout some of my blog posts, especially the ones that talk about hair products. Okay. So someone opts in for the quick start guide and then they're presented with this special, is it like a one-time discount on the, the product guide? Yeah, it's a 15 minute discount. So the normal price is $17. And so I offer it for $9. Okay. So I could go buy it today as a non-subscriber for 17 bucks on the site, but as a bonus, hey, you just subscribe for you today only $9. If you act, if you act fast, it's got to be in the next uh, 15 minutes. What's the like technology that you're using to process the checkouts and use like the countdown timer and stuff like that? Yeah. Right now I'm using Kartra, which is everything. It's email, products, the payment processor, sales pages, it's like everything's in there. I don't have any other outside thing. Okay. In the beginning, I had it with lead pages and I had countdown funnel timer. I can't remember that popular one that people use. Uh, deadline funnel, maybe? Deadline funnel. That's the one. And I was using convert kit for email. And I had another like social, the thing that pops up on the bottom. This is like, somebody just bought this. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, uh, proof or... Um... Proof, yeah. So I had a bunch of those, but it was costing me so much money. And I wanted to like simplify and reduce my cost. So I signed up for Kartra and it's been great because everything's all in one place and it's so much more affordable. This is K-A-R-T-R-A, I believe? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm, I'm the same way. It's like, I, I would so much rather just pay like one time for software. But of course, all the SaaS owners are like, no, it's a, it's a monthly subscription. And then... I'm like, well, it's only nine ninety five, or it's only nineteen ninety five, and you're like, well, 
okay. And then pretty soon it's like this death by a thousand paper cuts in a, in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Like, well, just one more thing, but I'm, I'm totally with you. Yeah, it adds up. So they're handling, Kartra is um, let, letting you build the sales page. They're handling the checkout payment processing. And then since they're all also integrated with your email service provider, or they are your email service provider, they're handling the file delivery for that too. Yeah. And I have my course on there as well. Like everything's on there. Cool. What's a good like take rate or conversion rate on the tripwire? It's usually around 30%. Wow. Of signups. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> it fluctuates, but yeah, that's pretty much the average. Okay. So 30% of the people who join the email list are also buying this $9 thing right away. Yeah. That's awesome. Now you get people's like, oh, okay. Well, if I haven't been doing this uh, for my own site, maybe I, maybe I ought to do something similar. Okay. So what happens after that? So either they buy the product guide or they don't. And now they're kind of in your email sequence. Give me a sense of like the newsletter cadence or what happens after somebody signs up. So actually with the tripwire, I do have an order bump, a $5 order bump. And then I have an upsell for a different guide after that. So if they purchase the tripwire, they'll get the upsell. If they don't purchase it, then they'll just go straight to the confirmation page that tells them to go check their email. And then I have a welcome series that is, I think it's five days and it kind of just shows them how to use all the resources on my blog. Cause I've got like a freebies library that has like these kind of like cheat sheets for curly hair ingredients and products and stuff like that. And then I've got a directory, a salon directory for curly hair. And then I kind of just show them like, here's where you find product reviews. I also have a YouTube channel where I have tons of tutorials. So it's kind of just exploring the blog and I do have one that has affiliate links. Like it's based on like my favorite products and stuff like that. So a couple of affiliate emails thrown in there. And then it dumps them into the forever series, which is basically the weekly email. Have you ever heard of the auto email on autopilot course? That one is new to me. Who teaches that? I think his name is Matt Mullen. I heard about it in the Mediavine group like two years ago. And so the way he teaches it is that you basically set up a forever series once. So you just go in, you have like a template, it's like three sentences and you like write your little introduction, then you link to the blog post. And so you just go through your blog and you create an email for every blog post in the sequence that you want people to go through. And then you set it to send once a week. And so I just went in and I put like a hundred of them. And so I've got emails going out for the whole year. I don't have to draft them. Okay, so you don't have to come up because this is a, a constant battle. Like Thursday is affectionately referred to as the day that Nick spends way too long trying to come up with a subject line for his newsletter. So this way, you just have it set up like it's a two-year welcome series, essentially, or two-year onboarding funnel. Yeah, and every time I write a new blog post, I go in and I add it to the sequence. And so I've just never run out of emails. Are you sending any sort of like one-off broadcasts to the list uh, aside from this series? I do. If I do like a sponsored email for a product or just maybe like once a month, I'll send a, a random email on a Tuesday, for example, with some information or something, you know, something that I want people to know about. I do send them probably about two to three times a month. And then if I have a campaign or something that'll go out and I do send something on Sundays that I started this year that's worked really well. And it's kind of just 
I call it the Sunday scoop. And it's just like the regular weekly email that people are sending, but it's not really like blog content. It's just like 10 things that I want to share with people this week. So I'll put links to like interesting articles about curly hair or this new product that I'm trying out or look at this cool video tutorial for this new technique I've never seen. And it just keeps people engaged with my email list because they really love these emails. And so I'll throw in a couple of affiliate links in that email, maybe a link to a blog post, but it's not focused on my content. That makes sense. It's a chance to be uh, be part of the community in a lot of ways. If there are other content creators in the space that it makes sense to network with and hopefully boost everyone up by sharing their stuff. And not necessarily, it's not always content that makes sense to create a dedicated blog post on your site for, because I find myself in the same way. Or I just, you know, other people are doing interesting creative stuff. Like, yeah, I'd love to share that. And I find the same thing where it's like, I, when I sit down to write a blog post, I feel a lot of pressure these days to make it something Google worthy or something that's worthy of like ranking on the first page where it's like, well, maybe for these like smaller thoughts or tidbit, you know, maybe that's what Twitter is for. Maybe that's what, you know, other social media or kind of this Sunday scoop style format is for. Yeah. I don't like social media that much. So I prefer much prefer to just send emails. Fair enough. I want to, uh, I want to go back to the order bump that you mentioned. This is, you said it was a $5 thing after somebody has taken the one-time tripwire offer? Yes. What do they get for that? It's a curly journey journal. So it's basically like a way for people to track their curly hair journey. Since most of the people that are coming to my site are new to curly hair care, they buy the product handbook because they don't know what products to use. So I know they need help with that. So then here's this thing to help you track. You're trying out these new products and techniques, track how it's going so you can figure out what works and what doesn't. Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. This is a, a digital thing, or is this like a, a physical, like print on demand, uh, Amazon uh, type of journal? No, it's a digital thing. So it's like a PDF file that they would download. Well, there's your next order bump. Is the is I'll send you the physical uh, copy. Where where do you learn to do all this stuff? It sounds pretty advanced as far as you know, email and then product and then another product and connecting it with the payment processing and the file delivery, all this stuff. Yeah, I was extremely hesitant to do any of this because it seemed way out of my range. Like I didn't understand how any of this stuff works, but I followed Courtney Foster Donahue. Don't know if you've heard of her. And she had like a mastermind. Oh, because I took her Facebook course like in 2015 or something back in the day. And I really liked her teaching style and she's launched, I don't know how many businesses and made millions of dollars. So I've always listened to what she has to say. And so she was really big in like 2019 on making these small products like this and doing like the order bumps and the upsells. And so I learned all of that from her and she does have a course where she walks you through exactly how to set up something like this. And that's basically what I did. Okay. Yeah. This name is familiar. Is this, she's uh, like pocket products. Was that her? Was that her? Yes. She launched pocket products last year. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. It sounds like that is working really well for it. I mean, that's, um, I'm just very impressed with that 30% conversion rate from free opt-in to, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take my chances with this, uh, with this product guide. I had other opt-ins that didn't work. So this, I think this one is just what people really want. Okay. That was the key. All right. That's fair. We'll test different things and see what ends up working. Do you ever get like the negative feedback of, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. I just signed up for this free thing. And now you're trying to sell me like, what, what's going on? What's up with this site? No, I 
thoughts that because I had heard about trip bars and I was like, I can't do this. Even my own products, like a lot of it is the same information that's on my blog. And one of the things that Courtney always says is people will pay for convenience. So you can package your blog posts and put them in specific order and present it in a way that it's easier for people to digest. And I never really saw the value in that, but I've never gotten any complaints about anything, anything that I sell or my, the way that I sell, nothing like that. And is there's a, there's a higher priced course down the road. Is there a pitch or a funnel for that after somebody signs up or is that kind of just uh, take it or leave it It's on the site? If they sign up for the quick start guide after the welcome series, they go into the sales funnel or it's like an upgrade funnel for the course. And I originally launched the course, I think it was 149 with lifetime access. It did really well in the beginning, but that was March of last year when people were crazy online and my traffic was through the roof and that died down, (laughs) you know, after a month or two that died down. And the feedback that I was getting was just that it was just too expensive and people didn't want to pay that much. And I see how well my affiliate links convert and my tripwire. So I thought I would change it a little bit and I turned it into a membership. So I charged $29 a month and they can cancel whenever they want. And so I switched it to that and I offer in the upgrade funnel, I offer like a $5 discount if they sign up within like 48 hours or something. So it has the timer and that's, that's doing okay. Okay. So the feedback was that is a little bit, uh, a little bit spendy for what we're looking for, but getting a better take rate on, on the membership so far. Yeah. It's a little bit better. I wish it was better, but I'll take what I can get. Is the game plan to kind of transition to these, you know, your own products and services versus Amazon's earlier, you mentioned, well, there was this commission cut and then there was another commission cut. So what's, what's going on with the uh, affiliate side? Yeah. I really just want to have like diverse, like just different places that money's coming in from. So like I was doing really good with affiliates, but when the traffic hits that gets affected, like if there's a, a slip in traffic, so that's why I launched my own products. And then I had added Mediavine ads at one point. So I kind of got, I've got the affiliate income, the ad income, the products. And then I monetized my YouTube last year as well. So I get, a, it's not a lot, though. I get a little bit from YouTube and I kind of just, if something falls and I have other areas to kind of get from not really focused on one over the other. I do think that having my own products helps a lot because through the email, I can get sales So as long as I get people on my email list, I can sell to them. So I think that's important. And I guess I could prioritize that over the others. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. And that's kind of an episode earlier in the year with Matt Giovannisi from Money Lab and and Swim University who's kind of making the same point because we had another guest on, Raphael, who was doing a houseplant blog and very much reliant on display ads and affiliate income. It was like, you know, you got a couple of your own products here, but what if we put those front and center so you're not so reliant on these these third-party companies who go in and make, Matt said, well, they have, a, they have a meeting and they didn't ask me that they wanted to cut commission, but here it is. And so oh, you just watch my, uh, if you were 100% reliant on that, you can get your income halved in an instant. It's like, well, that's not, that's not ideal. I want to know about the YouTube channel. Was this um, something from the very beginning? Is this a new project? Yeah. So I did not want to do YouTube because I was 
scared of like video and just the amount of time it would take you, you and me both to record and edit. So this was, I think, late 2019 when I was like, how can I grow my traffic? So I was doing the SEO. Pinterest was good. And I kept hearing about YouTube. Focus on YouTube. It helps with your SEO. And I think it was following Jennifer Maker who had done like a 30 days of videos. She posted a new video in 30 days and it was like made a big difference in her traffic. So I tried that at the end of 2019. And it was a brand new channel. So I didn't really have any followers to begin with. She already had thousands. Um, so it wasn't as dramatic an effect, but I definitely got a ton of new subscribers and my watch time, I think it was higher then than it is even now, even though I had like a hundred followers and now I've got almost 5,000. So posting a lot, definitely I, I saw that it, it made a difference. I can't sustain that. <laughs> so I did that project and I said, okay, I'm going to keep, I'm going to do like one video a week. I'll just do whatever blog post I'm doing, record a video. And I've kind of streamlined it over time. So it really doesn't take that much time to do it. And last year I did get sick at the beginning of the year for the first six months. So I didn't do a lot of social media or any YouTube at all. And I didn't post that much on my blog, but I picked back up after that. And I do once a week now. Oh, okay. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. A-N-D-S.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Are you going back through some of the archive posts and creating like the complimentary videos for those, or is it kind of entirely new? Yeah, I'm mixing both. If I I don't do a new blog post every week, so if I don't, I'll go back and I'll do a video for a blog post that doesn't have a video or something that people are asking about. Yeah, I found this to be kind of a, a fun complimentary 
SEO strategy where you, you all of a sudden give yourselves basically two chances to rank in the top two search engines in the country. And then you, they can kind of cross promote each other in a way where it's like, um, I'll do this video and also write the kind of in-depth, you know, SEO optimized like blog post on the topic. And hopefully there's a little bit of back and forth there. Are you doing affiliate stuff through the, through the YouTube channel or are you kind of focused on just getting views, getting email subscribers? Like what's a typical call to action if there is such a thing? So I do talk about affiliate products on the channel and I'll do tutorials with my affiliate products. And I've done a couple of sponsored videos. So one brand that I work with, they've seen how much traffic I bring them. And so they do packages with me where I'll do like a blog post of YouTube videos, social media posts like that. And so I have a couple of sponsored videos, but mostly I focus on like the affiliate links and I just direct people to my blog for more information. If nothing else, this is super inspiring on the different pieces of the revenue pie that a blog can give birth to, right? Because we've talked about ads, we've talked about uh, affiliate revenue, we've talked about now sponsored content on the YouTube channel. There's Google AdSense or, you know, Google, what do they call it? Revenue share for the YouTube stuff, your own products. Is there anything else we haven't touched on on the revenue side? Like I've got a handful of different revenue streams already. (laughs) No, I think I've covered everything. (laughs) That was my goal, though. I was like, I want to get in everything so that way I can feel a little safer. It's a lot of work, though. It definitely, it doesn't happen overnight and it does take work. Are the sponsors reaching out to you or are you saying, well, this is a brand that I like. Let me see if I can send them a, a proactive pitch. I did reach out last year for some sponsored posts and it seems that brands are extremely focused on Instagram. And so they want you to have a big Instagram following. And if, even though you're getting 200,000 visits a month to your blog, they don't care. (laughs) So I did not secure any sponsored posts by reaching out to any brands. Uh, So I stopped doing that. And this year, a couple of brands have actually reached out to me and offered sponsored content. But this one brand that I work with, I've been an affiliate with them from the beginning. They were a small brand. So they were, in the beginning, they were quite shocked by the amount of traffic that I was sending them. And I was making so much money as an affiliate for them. So they kind of saw the value in the blogging aspect and not so much the videos and the social media where the other brands that I talked to just want social media content. That's kind of funny. A first page Google ranking for a high traffic keyword is worth so much more than a one-off Pinterest post from any so-called influencer. Yeah, I don't get it. Delilah, tell me about the decision to go full-time into this. And and at what point were you comfortable quitting the teaching job? I was just fed up with the classroom. And (laughs) my husband had taken a job in another state. And so the plan was he had gone up there. And by the end of that school year, I was supposed to move up with him. And he was making it funny where I didn't have to work. So that was the plan. I was like, okay, this is my last year teaching and then I'll just focus on my blog. That didn't work out. He ended up coming back to Miami and I had quit already. So I was kind of like, okay, I need to figure out what I'm going to do because the blog was only bringing in like one or $2,000 a month. So it wasn't enough. So I was doing other things online. Like I was teaching online. I started tutoring on the side because I was a teacher. So I would tutor and we decided when my blog reached about $4,000 a month, that that was good enough with what my husband was making. And so that's when I decided I 
stopped tutoring. I stopped teaching online and I just focused on the blog, which was actually at the beginning of last year, 2020. And it just, with more time on the blog, it just exploded. So the income grew very quickly from then and it's stabilized now. That's really cool. I'm so happy to hear that. It's just, you know, once you have, it's like, I feel like it's this long, slow ramp up period where you're just trying to build this body of content, trying to build an email list, trying to build some domain authority to the point where you can get, get the rankings that you want. And now, now it's like, now you have more time to pour some fuel on the fire, test out creating your own products, create these email sequences. And then what do you know? Revenue doubles. So, and, and then so, so it's, uh, it's really exciting to see anything you do differently. Like if you had to start over that you would do to accelerate this, uh, this process at all. Yeah, I definitely would have learned SEO from the very beginning and done a little more research into like the niche that I was getting into and then started products from the beginning. Cause I did that with the second blog that I launched, I think it was in 2019. And that one has been making money from the very beginning because I launched it with products already and collecting emails and kind of like the system that I have with holistic enchilada, but that one has a lot less traffic. What's that one all about? If you, if you're comfortable sharing. Yeah, that one is about basically teaching reading. It's a blog for teachers. And since I used to work with dyslexic kids and I got special specialized training in teaching reading. So I kind of read about that and I create worksheets and different like teaching materials for people to, they can buy and download them. Use them. I have a shop on teachers, paid teachers as well, where I've got some worksheets and stuff up. I didn't realize. Yeah. Well, what would you do differently? Well, I actually did have the chance to start over and <laughs> I'm able to accelerate this process. What do you know? Well, that's, that's awesome. So what's, what's next for you? You got the holistic enchilada brand. You've got this teaching reading site and brand going anything else going on or what are you excited about this year? Yeah, I'm really focused on growing the other blogs since that one seems to be growing more quickly and I think it'll make more money. So kind of just leaving Holistic Enchilada as is. I'm still putting out content, but it takes a lot less time. I have a virtual assistant now who does a lot of like the stuff that I don't want to do, like the emails, the Pinterest, the more time-consuming tasks. So I want to focus more on the other blog. And I had started a third one with my husband. We're both Cuban, so it was a Cuban food blog. But we haven't had any time, so I would really like to work on that one as well. Oh, okay. There's always more projects uh, down the horizon. Yes. Well, really appreciate you joining me again, holisticenchilada.com. We'll link all that stuff up in the show notes for you at sidehustlenation.com slash Delilah. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. I think I would say to invest in education from the beginning and not necessarily like buying expensive courses, but just there's lots of free tutorials and just like people who are putting content out there that show you how to monetize and grow your blog from the beginning. So I would definitely start with that. It's so true. Definitely a mistake of mine thinking, I I can figure this out. I'll I'll just do it all myself. And it's like, oh, there is value in paying for somebody else's knowledge and experience to shortcut the learning curve here. Even if it's just YouTube stuff, there's Skillshare, there's Udemy, you know, there's, doesn't have to be super expensive, but, you know, an, an ounce of education can prevent months of toiling and agony, I believe. So very much appreciate you uh, joining me and sharing that. And we'll catch up with you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. 
All righty, definitely an inspiring and actionable episode with Delilah Orpi. I know I took a ton of notes and got some homework in front of me as a result. Specifically, I'd like to get more serious about testing what she called a tripwire product, or I've heard it called uh, a one-time offer after somebody opts in. I've dabbled with this a little bit this year with kind of medium-ish results. I've always hesitated to do it for the reason I kind of asked Delilah about, well, doesn't it feel kind of bait and switchy to offer this free lead magnet and then all of a sudden try to sell something before you've even delivered the thing? But I think if you can meet your reader where they're at and be the helpful resource they're looking for, there's a way to do this in a way that's that's a win-win for everybody. So years ago, I heard Derek Halpern refer to something like this as a bonus sandwich, where maybe the free lead magnet is the so-called meat of the sandwich. But then you can layer on the lettuce, the tomato, the guac, all these complimentary offers. Now, if I remember correctly, Rosemary Groner shared something similar on the podcast where she had her 30-day budget boot camp or something like that was her primary lead magnet and then made after somebody opted in, this discounted offer for the companion workbook. Like, hey, you just signed up for this bootcamp. It's going to be awesome. You can totally track it all on your own. But if you want to hit the easy button, I already created this printable day-by-day tracker to help you out. Normally, it's 15 bucks, but for you, in the next 15 minutes, it's just $7. And a 30% conversion rate on that would be amazing. So I will keep you posted on those efforts. Other notes here. Oh, I thought it was really interesting on the heels of our memberships versus courses episode last week that Delilah tried to sell a course, but got the feedback, uh, you know, this is kind of a little more than we wanted to pay, and then switched it up to a membership model. Again, depending on your niche, that little switch or pivot might be worth the test. So last year, we heard from Katie Emery on the success of her gray hair blog at katiegoesplatinum.com. You can check out her story in episode 421 of the Side Hustle Show or at sidehustlenation.com slash Katie. I mean, next up, I had no idea this was a niche. I got to find the bald guy blog to interview next. Delilah also mentioned Jennifer Maker, who was a guest on episode 381. Incredible online business success story in the arts and crafts niche. If this episode has inspired you to maybe take a crack of a blog or online business of your own, I've got a free video series on how to get up and running quickly and affordably. That is at blogstartercourse.com. And you'll find the full text summary of this chat with Delilah and links to all the resources mentioned at sidehustlenation.com slash Delilah. Again, D-E-L-I-L-A-H, as I can spell. At that URL, I've also put together a list of the tools, plugins, and resources that I've used to grow a multi-six-figure blog. That's my blogger's toolkit. It is yours free in exchange for your email address. Once again, at sidehustlenation.com slash Delilah or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. Big thanks to Delilah for sharing her insight today. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen and I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.